Welcome everyone, you were listening to and perhaps watching Hot Sauce Sports. I'm your host, Piz Delariz. Uh, we have an excellent show up here for you today. Um, here, of course, with Terry Tam. Terry, how's it going? I am fantabulous. Fantabulous. We, uh, or we just, well, I mean, we'll hear it after, but we just heard the interview with, um, we learned about Top Shots today. We learned exactly yeah. what they were. It's funny, now we're it's masters that and we can explain it to people. It happened live on the show last week where it was on the script. We had to talk about Top Shots and we very, very, very quickly realized we're the wrong people to be talking about this. Um, so we had Gianni Satino. Uh, he's going to be on the show joining us from California. Um, he's basically a crypto genius as far as oh, I understand. Yeah. Eagle, Eagle, would you uh, confirm or deny a crypto genius? Yes, I would actually say that's true. There we go. So he's a crypto genius. Uh, so he walked us through Top Shots, why it's actually valuable, why it's not a scam, and why we're wasting our money uh, not investing in it so far. So Terry, we're a bit late on it again, but in that interview, we learned that there's some space for you and I, and if you're paying attention last week, you might steal it out from under us, but there's some space for you and I to get in on this um, in a market that's not been tapped, so to speak. hey I think, we should, I think we should do the top porn thing. I think that it's like, I think it's the where to, where the money is for us. Well, so like, look, you, you need to go to work and, and basically pitch that to your bosses. Uh, I'll work on getting us financing with guys like Jenny Satino who can, uh, you know, help us on the back end of that stuff. Eagle, Eagle, you know how to do this stuff too and you're not busy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's what I am. <laughs> We'll add that to your list of, of hot sauce responsibilities, which is growing by the day. Um, our team also growing by the day. We have some announcements coming, but that won't be done today. Um, Terry, what you got on Weekly Sauce this week? Uh, we have uh, UFC fighter Eamon Zahabi coming on this week. He just he came off two weeks ago. He won his fight um, against Draco Rodriguez. He's coming on, and he's a Montrealer. Uh, from, well, Montrealer. He's from Laval. Montrealer, same thing. His, for yeah. his brother, he's training part in GSP. He's part of New York, right? Yeah. His training partner is GSP so and his brother's GSP's head coach at TriStar Gym, so I'm excited to have him on. I really am. It's yeah. like, uh, for me, it's like a, a thing. You know, I've always wanted to get into the MMA, and so we're doing it. And, uh, That's uh, honestly, dude, uh, it, it, I love when you guys do fighting because I learn a lot from you when it comes to fighting because uh, it's not a sport that I'm as well versed in as you. So definitely, if you're like me, you want to learn more about fighting, um, that's one of the shows you got you to look at. Um Guys, I've, I've been going through this renovation, and it's a renovation that will never end. Um, part of Hot Sauce Sports has been chronicling uh, my renovation projects uh, throughout my home. Uh, my closet's finally getting done in my bedroom. Uh, my wife is currently, uh, you know, organizing it and getting it all looking pretty. Um, and then she kept bringing in items into my office as I was working today and, like, holding it up and saying, like, do I keep this or not? And I was wondering if you guys had these items that you were holding on to uh, that you probably held on to for like beyond its usefulness. So like one of the things it, it's it was relegated to, to to pajama. It was a Kobe Bryant T-shirt with like oil stains and it was kind of ripped at the bottom. And I, I finally, finally, finally um, said goodbye to that uh, <laughs> T-shirt. Um, that was one of the things that came up for me. Uh, I guess also because of his passing, there's the additional sentimental value. But um, do you guys have anything like that? Anything lying around your house that your significant other would find and be like, guy, come on, you're never going to use this again. So I have uh, an 18-year-old hoodie. Uh, this hoodie was purchased, was given to me by my football team. 
and uh, I still have it, and I still wear it, and it's the only sh- sweater I wear to the gym, like legit. It's my North Shore Mustangs, 2002. Uh, 2002 has my number on the sleeve here for number 51. It's it's a classic, and it's still in mint condition. Mint. But Terry, you and I, come on, we, you struggle from the same thing I do with like the weight fluctuations. You don't have those like T-shirts or shirts that are never going to fit you again. Yeah, like, I have a few of those, yeah. Uh, yeah, like come on, that's that's gonna be a thing. Like we're we're like you're 25 and you make a promise. I'll fit into this by next year. And before you know it, you're in your late 30s. And you're like, nope, never gonna happen. Sorry. What I do do that's good is I do uh, clean out my closet like twice a year, full garbage bags. But then I just refill it with other clothes that don't fit. So yeah, yeah. I, have, what you? I have a spare guest room with like a full bedroom set in it, and uh, in one of my dressers, which is probably about six feet wide if you think about like or the length whatever you want to call it two of the drawers are filled with cables and i mean any type of cable or adapter you can imagine usb micro mini um usb c's now we have you know like rgb cables uh, like the coaxial ones the component ones um hdmi's you can open a, like you can open a radio pack, shack. fax wires i could literally open a radio shack yeah it's full 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 of these wires and i hold on to them because the moment i'm gonna throw them out or i'm like okay i don't need this anymore then the next day guaranteed someone's gonna be like oh i need this particular thing and i'll be like god fucking damn it like of course of course of course i'm gonna get rid of it when someone needs it yeah i have i have one of those boxes too um i have so many adapters for which i don't think i have the original device yep so I that, have that too that- yep that's, that's gonna be one day someone us. will need it for a purpose, and I will have it. I guarantee you. I also have I also have a problem that uh, the new closet looks as though it only is going to store uh, twelve pairs of shoes at a time, and like that. Okay, so like that's our in season. Like I have like off season storage. Don't worry about that. Like you know, like they'll go somewhere else, but. I don't know if I can commit to only 12 pairs of shoes. It's, it's I was going to say, I remember looking at your original list of must-have shoes, and I think the list was at 16, right? Yeah, it's at 16, but that's that's multiple seasons, and I have much more than just needed. Please, I, I don't I, take you as the, like, the multiple shoe kind of guy. I take you oh, more no. as the, like, oh, no, he I have is. like five pairs, and those are like... But Terry, no, he has pairs. an Excel sheet that says, for particular occasions, here's the type yeah. of shoe you have to wear. Why would yeah. you need an Excel sheet for that? Don't you have I, that's other how people. my brain works? I, I need because I need it so that I can plan which belts I need to buy that need to match the material and color of those shoes. I have over sixty pairs of shoes, Terry. To answer your question, I know this because we went over this because you know we had to prepare to get the new closet in. Yeah, I, I have too many pairs of shoes. But you know, it's impossible for you to wear them all. And when you look at your Excel sheet and it tells you where the blue Nikes, do you actually wear the blue Nikes? Yeah, I wear them. I wear them. Or do you I look like say, ah, no, I like this one. I wore it last time. It's a lot better. Well, because like so uh, again, so part of this is because I'm colorblind. Um, on, part of my Sunday is I'm sitting, you know, watching something on HBO or something, and you know, and then you know I'll turn to my wife, and say, okay, I gotta get ready for the week, and she'll help me pick what I'm wearing each day of the week, including which shoes go with what what outfit I'm gonna be wearing. So. It's it's like it's an obsessive thing because I'm so scared of looking terrible that she has to help me choose everything in advance so that I don't wear like you know vomit yellow and red pants vomit yellow shirt with you know bright red pants and green shoes. Quick, and, what and color Terry, is my don't, hat? Don't forget, right? Black. Uh, it green. does look black here. Yeah. Oh, so. Okay. 
Uh, don't this? forget, right? For Fighting. any type of shoe, you have to think of the different permutations. Like, let's say you're getting like a an Oxford wingtip, right? You need that in black. You need that in a dark brown. Maybe you need it in a gray. Maybe you need it in a light Navy. brown. Maybe you want, yeah, Navy, Navy Oxford. Maybe like a beige at that point for all the different combinations. Like right there, we're at like six, and that's just one type. So the thing is with with you and I, Eagle, is that you we basically wear whatever we want to work. I have P's a actually, pair of shoes, like one. Yeah, P's P's like. I have a lot of shoes, but I have a lot of like running shoes and like different kinds of things. But like I have like I have a lot of different. I have everything I need for every sport that I do. So mm-hmm. I have shoes for basketball. I have shoes for hockey. I have shoes for boxing. I have well, you don't need shoes for jujitsu, but you know what I mean. Like I have like a set for everything. I get that. Yeah. But when Play it comes football, to like the golf. Every, yeah, exactly. When it when it comes to everything else, like the everyday stuff, you need a pair of black nice shoes, like dress shoes. A pair of brown dress shoes. This mm-hmm. is for a guy like me. A pair of brown dress shoes. A few running shoes to rotate at the gym or rotate walking around. A few sneakers that like that are nice that you can wear to like dinner and stuff like that. And that's pretty much it. Well, no, but what about what about your boat shoes? You need boat shoes in brown, boat shoes in navy. You also need. So navy I do have Oxford. a pair of boat shoes, but I don't I haven't been on a boat in years. I just wear them because they're nice. Oh, well, tomorrow if we buy a boat a, and we invite you, what are you gonna wear? I, I own I own more boat shoes than you own boats. Ah, uh, there you go. That's a good so. point. That's a good point. But yeah, Eeks, to your point, it's like. Yeah, I mean, when I have a million dollars from our top porn uh, venture, then yeah, I'll buy a boat. Yeah, yeah. In which case, I'll have the right shoes to wear on your boat, Terry. Yeah, so it's You're all it's gonna, it'll work out. It'll work out eventually. Thank you. <laughs> we'll see up in the long run. Um, until then, we do have the news. Ah, Terry, it's the news. We need to get that on a t-shirt. Just because any like additional layers of things that I can use to annoy you always make me happy. Just like one of the stories in, in, in the script. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, J.J. Watt signs with the cards. It wasn't one of the teams that was teased. Um, and I, I, so I saw it. I was like, okay, kind of makes sense. He's getting old. Got a good paycheck, but he's still effective. Kind of win-win for everyone. Mm-hmm. But like, so there are those hating on it because they think, well, come on, I thought you want to play for a team that can compete. And then there are those, of course, making fun of J.J. Watt because it's J.J. Watt. And he went out of his way to say that he didn't choose a team that paid him the most money, but it kind of looks like they're the team that paid him the most money. Which, by the way, I'm all for. I'm all for get as much money as you can. Of course. I mean, listen, if the Cardinals – I don't – the thing is, is that – any team that offered whatever he accepted would have been the right dollar amount for JJ Watt. That's the way I see it. Like whatever team is willing to pay the amount for him, that's fine. Let them pay for it. the NFL prints money. So for the Cardinals to go out and look for a guy like this is huge because they're they're like that close. They're that step that this closer now to winning that division. And that division right now is not that it's up in the air, but we don't know what's going to happen with Russell Wilson. We don't know what's going to happen with the Niners. So it's basically the Cardinals. Also the Rams. Now they have Stafford coming in. So who knows if that's well, yeah. an experiment that's going to work. But they're, they're a good team, right? They played really well last year. They had a bad year the year before. But they're a good team. I think that they'll end up – they're the favorites to win the division, I think. So it'll be the Rams and the Cardinals, I think, they're going to be battling for the division. And J.J. Watt helps them a little bit more playing against guys – like Matthew Stafford, who don't like to sit in the pocket, and he's able to knock it out. So, I mean, I think it's a great signing on both sides. I think that J.J. Watt goes to a team that might be able to contend, and and the Cardinals get a guy that's 
uh, has an extremely good work ethic that they know he's going to put in the hours. That's a good leader that they need that for such a young team. So I think it's great. And he's back with DeAndre Hopkins. So now let's yeah, trade he- Kyler Murray for Deshaun Watson and it's fine. And then hire <laughs> Bill O'Brien as like the GM somehow. The, 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 when when I saw that, I mean, I thought I, I thought the cards were okay last year. Like they have a second year quarterback who's going to take a second to develop, um, you know. And, and it seems as though they're doing the thing where if you're going to, the only way you can sign a player like this in a cap sport is if you're doing the thing where you're not yet paying your quarterback top dollar, especially as the as the cap is coming down. So the only teams really that can kind of compete with the cards in this in this. Uh, scenario are teams who still have quarterbacks on their rookie deals, which there there aren't a ton of. You know what I mean? Like there's it's a limited amount in the NFL. Yeah, so exactly. So I, I think it was a, I think it was a good move. I think it was smart. I will say the cards just got uh, a little cornier. Um, we're gonna probably see a lot of really early morning workouts by JJ Watt. You know, uh, maybe another picture of his modest chalet with an elevator in it. You know, we're gonna see him at the at the at the the, the Grand Canyon being like. Uh, early morning workout. What a view. Uh, hashtag Arizona, a new home. Yeah, maybe just him chilling with, uh, you know, a bald eagle that was uh, photoshopped in by a Cardinals graphite. Uh, they I they love, basically I love yeah, how, just beat another American, you know. I love how during this, uh, during this whole thing, everybody assumes that because he's a free agent that anybody anybody who's a free agent is going to sign their hometown. Like Everybody's like, oh, he's for sure going to Green Bay. Back to Wisconsin. What makes you think he wasn't a Green? He was a Green Bay fan. Maybe he was a Dallas Cowboys fan, yeah. which is very likely. You know what so, I mean? Also, like so, he very famously was like a, a pizza boy when he was living in Wisconsin. Maybe he just didn't enjoy that life and they, you know, want to go another direction. Besides, yeah. if you can choose to live somewhere warm or somewhere cold, why would you choose cold? Maybe he's a did golfer. you uh, did you hear how paranoid he was with the whole free agency process? Because the way he actually revealed his team, right, is through a picture on his Twitter and the whole stuff, and you know, kind of saying, you know, wearing the Cardinals jersey and source me. Uh, because he was still very unsure in terms of who he was going to pick, he actually ordered, I think, four or five different shirts of the teams he was considering and had it shipped to his house. But he was worried that people were going to like catch it in like a, the FedEx scenarios or whatever it is and try and you know leak it. So he had his friend order it to his address on his credit uh, card, and then he went to go pick them up just to try and make sure no one was going to find out. Imagine he didn't pay his friend back. <laughs> I mean, he's like with the money you made you better pay yeah. for those jerseys Imagine his friends like hey dude uh can you e-transfer me like a uh, thousand bucks whatever it was and he's like uh dude thousand bucks for like a few shirts what's wrong no, with i'm you? just saying like i don't know your jerseys just... from i'm sure there was a bonus in there china <laughs> you know he's helping protect he's helping protect the the, the the secret apparently um the the thing the report i read that i found bizarre was um according to a reporter someone on the houston uh coaching staff of course who didn't have the balls to to uh, give his identity it was an anonymous source, but an anonymous source within the, the Houston Texans organization said that he actually hurt the defense, that he was out there always looking for his own stats, um, that the defense is better off without him. Given that he was the most double teamed player in the NFL this year after Aaron Donald, um, and he's had all the surgeries, and he's the age that he is, and still attracting all that 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 attention. That just sounds like uh, sour grapes. Does that or, make me sound like a hundred years old to say sour grapes? I think or so. Or the team, the team is so bad that the other team is like they only have JJ Watt. Let's just double who's also him. who's also not good apparently. Yeah, who's not good? Let's just double JJ Watt and just be like whatever. We'll just win the game, and that's basically what happened. But I don't know, man. I think that he's gonna have a great year. I honestly do. I think that he's gonna have like ten 
11 sacks, maybe a handful of pat downs. Like, you know, no, like, like, so one of the I think he's going to have a great now, fucking year. One of the things that's being measured now is the, the pressure caused by someone, even if they don't get a sack, right? So, like, I remember Olivier Vernon, when he was with the Dolphins, got all these amazing numbers, and he got, he signed a huge contract with the Giants, and now he's with, with uh, Cleveland, and he's a fine player. But I can tell you, as the only person on earth who watched Dolphins games, um, Cameron Wake is the on reason earth. Olivier Vernon... Got a got a little sacks because you have this absolute menace collapsing one side of the pocket. Quarterback steps up and gets his face eaten by Olivier Vernon. Okay, so let me just let me just list off their their defensive linemen. Okay, Zach Allen, Corey Peters, JJ Watt, Chandler Jones. Like that's like a legit front four right there. Yeah. And if you and the rest of their defense is pretty sick too. But Buda Baker, Drake Patrick, Patrick Peterson, a little older, but still. That like that defense is actually going to be sick, and I think Kyler Murray is gonna he's gonna make his his he's gonna have such a good year. His manager is gonna be forced to renegotiate, and he's gonna renegotiate a year early like Carson Wentz. And two years from now, he's gonna be one of the highest paid players in the league because he's gonna have such a good year based on the defense giving him good field position at all times. Well, another quarterback that's uh, succeeded when the defense was um, at its the height of their powers, of course, was Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson, um, to me, he looked at the beginning of the season like maybe the best quarterback in football and sort of had a, you know, a struggling second half of the season. Um, he ranked below Derek Carr on pro football focus, uh, which I found to be surprising because that means basically my eyes are lying to me. I don't think Derek Carr is as bad as a lot of people claim, but yeah. I didn't really put them in the same stratosphere. This is what I think about uh, pro football focus is that they're also paid by the NFL. And <laughs> this is what I think. Yeah. I think, I think that, I think that they they put him low enough so the so the price on him is low. It gets it gets lowered a bit because I think the price on him right now is is the demand on him is crazy for the what they want. Like it's a maximum of three. You can't trade further than four 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 years, right? Or further than three years. So you can only give three first round picks. How many other picks are you gonna be able to give up for Russell Wilson? And like the only people that would be able to trade a value enough for Russell Wilson would be like a team like the Cowboys who like don't want to franchise tag uh, uh, Dak again, so they want to pay him, or you know what I mean? They're gonna give up Dak and two first round picks or something like that, you know? So I think that these fucking ratings make no fucking sense to me. And I like I'm, I'm with you where I don't think that Derek Carr is that bad of a quarterback. I think that he's in a situation now where he has Gruden breathing down his neck anytime anytime he he throws a bad ball and. And I think that I, I, but I, I also think that Russell Wilson is like one or two of the best quarterbacks in the league. I have, a, I have a conspiracy theory on this actually. So, uh, David Carr, I believe his name, Derek's brother, recently was yeah. uh, quoted saying, "Oh, uh, you know, if you're the Raiders and you hear that Wilson's on the block, you pick up that phone immediately." Essentially, suggesting they should trade Carr for Wilson and or some type of deal. Maybe Wilson's agent or Wilson himself was like, "Nah, man, I don't want, I don't want to go out to Oakland. Like, fuck that shit." Oh, but Oakland so, Then he kind of like, called like the though. PFF guys to be like, "Rank me lower than him," just so the Raider fans are going to be like, "No, no we can't <laughs> trade down for a quarterback." <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that was one of the teams he he approved though was the Raiders. So I yeah, mean, exactly. it seems doubtful. I th I think Russell Wilson. Maybe second thoughts. I think he's too lame to live in Vegas though. True. Um, no state tax. Yeah, but his um, he'd but go like, to bed at like, like ten p.m. Will they tax though, right? him more because he's so lame? Yeah, he'll get the lame tax for sure. Yeah, thousand percent. I mean, yeah, hundred percent. He'll get the lame tax. But the, uh, I, don't know, I don't. I don't see. I don't see Oakland as like a destination. I really think like. I mean, not for not because I'm a Cowboys fan. I do think the Cowboys have a good say on if they're going to be able to sign him or not. I don't uh, think to trade. 
I don't think he's leaving. I don't. If he does, that division is for the Cardinals or the Rams because the Niners are are going down. But I mean, and... let's call a spade a spade. What's more likely, Wilson getting traded or Carroll getting fired? Oh, that's a good question. Carroll, um, I think Carroll should be fired. Not that he's been doing a bad job. I think that they just need fresh blood in there because he's his the way he thinks, the way he runs, everything. You need to build your team around Russell Wilson, and I don't think they are. I think Pete that Carroll team... looks like he needs fresh blood. Like it looks like that job took forty years off his life. He looked like a really young looking old dude when he got there. Now he looks like the oldest dude on earth. How old is he? He's like seventy five, right? Yeah, yeah, but he looks every every day of his age. Where he's he aged he got... the last few years. It's really like you can see it. He's not the same energetic old man like he was before. Like even Belichick looks more energetic than Caro, and that's saying he... something. When he took off his shirt in front of DK Metcalf, you're like, oh, fuck, this guy's jacked. And now if he takes off his shirt, he probably look like me, yeah. except in shape and old. Yeah, that's, like, that's, he just has like that wrinkly, like that, like the, 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 the extra skin, like where you can pull it off like this. Like, I, I feel like that's what his skin looks like. Where, it, where you like, can remove it and it becomes a leather vest. Yeah, like I a gold finger. That. I see that. Um, Terry, I, I include this story because I thought this would really annoy you. Rockets are set to retire James Harden's jersey, who is still playing in the NBA. It's a, <laughs> like I wouldn't even I wouldn't even find it bizarre. I don't even know what he number spent, he wore. Like let's say he plays for Brooklyn for seven more years, right? And then when he retires, the Rockets retire their jersey. I get it. Like he's you know arguably the best player in the history of franchise. Uh, him and, and Hakeem Olajuwon, basically. What number um, were thirteen? Thirteen, yeah. Wow, what a guess! That was a legit guess. I have no idea. But I believe it's, thirteen. It's the stupidest 31. thing I've ever heard in my life. It's yeah. like, it's almost, it's almost like announcing somebody into the Hall of Fame before they retire. It's, I mean, it's pretty much the exact same thing. The Hall of Fame is bigger. Imagine like Wayne Gretzky. His like before his final year, they're like, you know, Wayne, we know you're gonna get in. Let me put you in the Hall of Fame right now. It's like it's also like the the ultimate like ex girlfriend, like trying to get your attention. Like, oh, we still like you over here. Hey, you know, we, I know you're not going to yeah. come back, but we we want to keep the peace. Hey, man, yeah, that's what it is. And I think Harden's like is like he doesn't want any part of it. He shouldn't even go to the to the ceremony. I have a story that I'm going to mention after I ask this question, but I want to ask the question first, there because I think I think you're going to enjoy it. Um, oh. The 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 weirdest number to be retired. In the NBA. Okay, let's start with number 13, Houston Rockets. James Harden, right? Absolutely. That's 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 weird. We agree? We, we number agree one. Weird. Weirdest. Now, is that weirder than Miami Heat retiring number 13, Dan Marino? Why is that weird? Oh, Miami Heat? The, the Miami, Miami Heat, Heat retired. retiring number 13, Dan uh, Marino. I think James Harden being retired is a lot worse. I really do because he's still playing. I think How that about the this city- one? Miami Heat. Also the Heat. Number 23, Michael Jordan. So that's different because like 99 is retired uh, in the NHL completely. Like nobody can ever wear it. Correct. But LeBron James is currently wearing 23 with the Lakers. So it's not retired across the league. I know. But it's like a lot of teams show like respect by retiring that number. So like like 24 eventually probably might get retired. And 23 might be retired completely across the board because of LeBron James and Michael Jordan. So I don't know. I, I think that retired numbers is cool, but it gets to a point like with the Habs, like you can't. There's the only number available between one and ten is eight. Yeah, 
You know what I mean? So it sounds like Mark Recchi was a failure is what you're saying. I think six also. Yeah, Recchi should get his number retired in, in Pittsburgh. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's like the 12th all-time in scoring. The um, the thing is, like, you know, I always wonder about that. Like, teams like the Yankees, the Montreal Canadiens, uh, the Lakers. Like, at some point, you need to let people use these numbers again because they're going to run out pretty quick. Um, but I think, you know, I think at some point it becomes more of, like, the ceremony of retiring than the actual reserving of the number. Yeah, I, really um, I agree. I thought, I, thought it was a little, I thought it was a little out there. Um, but the story that I found to be the most out there, and I'm going to switch. Oh, actually, no, wait, wait. Let me go back to that for real quick. Uh, there's a story on The Athletic that I thought you might get irritated with because it actually praised James Harden, who I know you love to hate on, Terry. Um, he, he's he got a bit of a rap for being a bad teammate, but essentially this Athletic article talked about how at the beginning he got along with uh, Chris Paul and how he was on great team terms with Trevor Reza and was very annoyed with the team when they got rid of Trevor Reza. When um, he, you know, that, that famous... Uh, that famous moment where he bullied, uh, I forget who was guarding him. He, he bullied a, you know, a, a player who in a previous game, you know, embarrassed Clint Capella by being much smaller and grabbing a rebound on his head, basically. <laughs> um, so like he did a lot of stuff for his teammates and is actually really well beloved, but it's not one of these things that typically makes it to the media because his outward projection just seems kind of cold and kind of off-putting, right? He is... He's a special guy, and I think he's a very entertaining person. I do think that he's all about himself. I mean, but I have nothing to base myself on. And now this athletic article might might have convinced me, pushed me to that level. And I think that it's not necessarily about him asking for a trade. I think him asking for a trade is is fine. But I I just I've always had a bad feeling about him, like as if him he's it's always about him, and he complains, and it's it just I always had this weird selfish vibe and. Now I'm yeah, I'm vindicated, you know. Now I confirm my 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 skepticisms, my tinfoil hat conspiracy theories are confirmed. James Harden is an asshole, according to the based athletic. on the story that said he was a good guy. Yeah, he's an asshole. I think he's an asshole. <laughs> I think he's an well, absolute asshole. A guy who's a legit bad guy. I'm gonna, we're gonna shift gears a little bit, talk something a little serious. Kellen Winslow, uh, Kellen Winslow Jr. Sorry, let's not confuse the two. Um, Kellen Winslow Jr. was a guy who I thought was going to be what Rod Gronkowski ended up being. The guy who absolutely redefined the tight end position. I just saw this guy as being absolutely unguardable. What he turned out to be was a guy who preyed on senior citizens and uh, a homeless woman and is a serial rapist who has now been uh, given a sentence of 14 years, which seems lenient, but in California is the maximum amount you can get in a plea bargain in such a case. So what you're saying is instead of inspiring to be uh, Rob Gronkowski tight end for the Patriots, he instead inspired to be Aaron Hernandez tight end for the Patriots. Yeah, he followed on the wrong path. Wrong tight end. Wrong side of the tight ends, yeah. R- wrong mentor to Eagles Point. Every time I think of Kellen Winslow, I only think of that, that clip. I'm a fucking soldier. That's the only thing I can think about. Um, just and now I, that's all I want to think about because I don't want to think about him doing what he did to those poor people because he's a yeah, fucking like, 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 like forcible rape on a homeless person and uh, exposing himself to 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 a senior at a gym. And, and like the, the, the district attorney said something interesting. The district attorney said that we need to keep in mind who his victims were. He specifically chose victims who he thought would have no power in the legal system or um, – would would not would not take him to to task. Would not bring this to the police. Would not come forward with it. Um, 
And that's a terrifying pattern because this is someone who uh, not only did this, um, and, you know, sometimes you think of these kind of things as being something done in the moment, um, you know, these, these terrible, terrible moments. Instead, this is something that was absolutely premeditated. This is someone who, uh, who's young, who's going to be serving a 14-year life sentence, uh, who took away, um, you know, some some enjoyable years for some people, and instead he's going to have enjoyable years in the second part of his life. And my worry is, is he someone who can rejoin society given the fact that he planned these attacks the way he did? Um, there's some CT there, man. I don't know. I don't know if he's going to be – I don't think he's ever going to be the same. I think we might see him in like a, like a mental institution after this. <laughs> I don't even think he'll survive. Do you remember how this was first reported, like when it, the first first case happened? Uh, no, I don't actually. Vaguely, very vaguely. So ESPN re- reported that Kellen Winslow got arrested for uh, breaking into the wrong home. That he he actually he accidentally walked into an old person's home mm-hmm. and got undressed. And Kellen Winslow basically uh, said, "Oh well, I I thought I walked into my house, so just." I mistook the neighbor's house for my house kind of thing. And that's how this started. And like, when I think of that, it's such a haunting memory when you weigh that against the district attorney's words saying that he chose people um, based on the fact that uh, it would be something that would be hard for people, for, for, you know, reporters or jurors and stuff to believe. So it was easier for us to believe he walked into the wrong house and got naked back when because, this because, it, it, I don't know what the word I'm trying to say is, but it, we're trying. I think as humans, we're, naturally, we like to give people the benefit of the doubt, and especially if they're in the public eye, it's always like, okay, but like, let me hear the full story first, then I'll jump into it. You know what I mean? I think I, like people like you and I, not media, huge media outlets and stuff, they just jump the gun right away. People like you and I, when we hear something like that, like Kellen Winslow walking in, like undressing himself in front of an old woman, we're like, that just doesn't make sense to a guy who's a professional athlete, good-looking guy, doesn't have to do these things. It's like maybe he was just drunk and he walked into the wrong house or, you know, a little bit of pity there. And then when the second – as soon as the second story comes out, they're like, okay, this guy's an asshole. But yeah, this as soon as we give somebody benefit of the doubt, we're ready to take it away. And that's exactly of, what happened here. One of the stories too, Terry, was at a gym when he exposed himself to a woman. He was wearing an ankle monitor and he hid it with a towel. So he put so a towel, that- wrapped his towel around his ankle. And then whipped out his piece. Yeah, exactly. So that so that uh, the woman wouldn't know offhand that he was uh, under house arrest, basically. Holy fuck! Yeah, yeah. Or wouldn't sorry, not under house arrest. Wouldn't know that he was a registered sex offender. Um, so it seems like a weird way to queue up a really great guy and a really great guest, but that's what we have today. Uh, Jenny Satino joins us. He's going to be explaining, uh, well, like, like Terry, you know, mentioned at the top of the show, we already had that conversation with him. So, uh, you're going to hear us have an interesting conversation about top shots. It's something that's trending, something that's interesting to our fans. I think if you're interested in that space in general, this is going to be an enlightening interview. Uh, Jenny really breaks it down and, and talks to us why, uh, this is the future, why it's safe, and why this is a growing industry. And we're back. Joining us is resident smart person, Jenny Satino. Uh, Jenny's joining us because last week on the show, Terry and I had a very 
ill-informed conversation about Top Shots. I don't think we're going to learn anything, but it has nothing to do with Johnny's ability. He just has two terrible students, uh, and Terry Tam and myself. Johnny, welcome to Not Sauce for Work. Uh, we're here to talk to you about, as we said, Top Shots. So what's your, what's your involvement in um, this new digital medium that we don't understand? All right. I mean, my, my involvement goes way back because I actually built uh, a similar project in 2018 called Crypto Strikers, which was basically soccer cards on the blockchain um, for, the, for the 2018 FIFA World Cup in Russia. So I had this thing built out way before Top Shot was cool, one of the OG projects in that space. And, you know, the interest at the time was pretty minimal. Like there was still a huge hurdle to getting into crypto, you know, getting your wallet set up. Um, but then Top Shot basically came along and they made the, the experience really, really user friendly for people like you guys, I, I suppose. And um, so I've been following them, their progress for a long time because I knew they had secured the NBA rights. I knew they were kind of, you know, advancing the space of something I had worked on in the past. And when they launched in August for the beta, I managed to get in like really, really early, basically still like, you know, less than a thousand users. And at the time, able to just buy up packs and packs and packs thinking, okay, this is kind of fun. But never, you know, never thinking it would blow up to where it has today. So, yeah, been on the platform since August, and I'm mostly out now. I have a couple moments left. Johnny's in uh, Johnny's in California, so his brain is working a lot better than ours, piece because the sun, vitamin D, less COVID, all that stuff. You know what I mean? So we, you're selling you're selling us too short. I was really high last week, also. I was stoned off my ass when we did, we were talking. Yeah, I could tell. I could tell. Um, but um, so. Now, I obviously know what this means, but explain to us, uh, explain to our listeners, most of which, just assuming they're five years old, um, what is a blockchain and what is a chain to? All I know about blockchains is block, blockchain amino acids. That's all I know about blockchain. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense. Very different thing. Two very different things. I like how you pretend to know what amino acids is as well. <laughs> I kind of do. I know how to take it while you're working out. It helps. That's the only thing I know. You're, you're, that's a very expensive. You're just pissing those away. You don't need those. If, you're, if, you, have, if you have normal protein intake, you know you don't need the BCAAs while you're working out. Take that from the resident meathead over here. But um, so so I mean, you're asking what a blockchain is. Uh, so do you guys play like FIFA Ultimate Team, or do you guys play any like video game where you have like okay? So take the example of FIFA Ultimate Team. Basically, your cards and you know the ownership of those cards is stored on EA Sports' servers, right? So there's a centralized database somewhere that says, "Peas, you own this Ronaldo, this Messi. Um, what a blockchain is, is a database like that, but just distributed across the world and public and not controlled by any one central authority. Um, so basically it's an open, permissionless like layer that everyone can see who owns what cards. No one can take them away from you. Because basically EA Sports can decide one day, hey, you violated our terms of services. We're shutting down your account. We're seizing all your cards. Um, whereas on the blockchain, there's no one entity that controls it. So basically you truly own your assets. No one can come in and say like, you know, no one can ban you. No one can take them away. So that's kind of the idea of a blockchain is an open distributed database. So in, in, in this example, in top shots, so I own a video, I own a video of, uh, Anthony Edwards dunking, whatever it is. Right. Um, I own that video, but like there's millions of copies of that video throughout the internet. So this has like a digital footprint or whatever they call it there. It's, explain it to me in layman's terms here. Yeah, so that, that's what they call the uh, the non fungible token. You guys, you guys heard the term NFTs? 
I mean, I just have. Uh, I've heard that. I heard that this week, but I have no idea what it means. Okay. So basically, <laughs> to you actually. Probably on my on my Twitter, right? Yeah. Um. So yeah, NF, NFT is basically what's called a non fungible token. Just think of it as a digital asset that's stored on the blockchain. So on this in this database, you know, yeah, that Anthony Edwards video exists on YouTube, but the token representing that video in the top shot on the top shot blockchain there's only a hundred of them for example or a thousand or whatever you know the the number is for that given card and then you would own you know one of those 100 tokens sure the video exists on you know, on youtube on espn.com whatever but the actual token representing ownership of that specific moment on top shot there's only a hundred so it's like a scarce digital good that you know, not everyone has access to. Even though they can watch the video on the computer, they don't truly own the asset. Of course. So if I own, if I'm one of the hundred people that own this, I thought it was one video per person, like one token, one serial number per video. Yeah, I mean, so it's not. It's say the Anthony Edwards moment is one the donkey did last week, where he kind of you know yeah, killed the dunk yeah. over him. Uh, so yeah, there's that one video, but they might issue 100 tokens of that video and serial number one to 100. So it's the same video, but there's like unique serial numbers. And typically on top shot, like number one is more valuable than all the others because it's like the first one. And then the player's jersey number. So I actually don't know what Anthony Edwards' jersey number is, but serial number, you know, X, whatever his number is, would be worth more than the others. Like LeBron James, number 23 in a series of 100 is always worth more than like number 64, for example. Oh, okay. That's a different aspect to it. I like that aspect. That aspect. It, it's interesting because I'm always like, like half a step too late on these things. Like these, like even crypto. Like you could probably explain it. To you. I still don't understand crypto. Hey, I'm, I'm holding strong on Nokia, Terry. I don't care for. I don't know what that, that means. One. I'm holding strong on, on Nokia. I don't know what Nikea means. I know what. What's Nikea? No, Nokia. Nokia. Oh, Nokia. It's a freaking... But what? what is... Oh, because you bought stocks in Nokia. Yeah. We're talking about cryptos here. Please. We're not talking about fucking... This is not Wall Street bets, guys. This is crypto talk. Come on. Yeah, this is where the nerds hang out, man. For sure, Jen- for sure. No, Jenny, the, I do uh, kind of have a, a follow-up question on that. So unlike a physical good where... I'll take hockey cards, right? They print a certain number of them. There's only so many in circulation. Wouldn't you say that a digital good, that it's an artificial scarcity in having a certain number of them printed? Because effectively, you can have an infinite number of them. They're just choosing to limit supply. Yeah. I mean, isn't that what they're doing with real hockey cards as well? If they, if they say, hey, this like Marc Messier card you have is one of a thousand, they're doing the same thing. It's artificial scarcity, right? And you actually, on the flip side, if it's like tops or upper deck, I don't actually know who has the hockey card rights. Um, but you're kind of taking them at their word that they say, hey, there's only a thousand of these in the world. Like, how do you know that they haven't actually minted 5,000 just to double dip and actually sell more cards, right? Whereas on the blockchain, all this information is kind of open and verifiable. So you can go, you know, if you're savvy enough to go look at the code, you can look, hey, this Anthony Edwards moment, there actually is only a hundred. It's like written in code, it's provable. Whereas like with tops or upper deck, you don't actually know how many they're printing. Well, I mean, okay. but all of this is artificial scarcity based on an idea where baseball cards, let's say in the, the 30s or 40s and 50s and so on, uh, would sell. And basically, people just bought them because they like baseball. And I, my dad told me stories about when they were young, they would throw them against the wall. And it was like a game they would play with baseball cards. And this was like a common game kids would play. And the reason why like those, those old baseball cards were worth so much money was because um, – People didn't expect 
that that value to to exist. So like it was a an actual scarcity that existed because people really didn't buy it for that purpose. Uh, so in that in that way, when I see things like this, the first thing that comes to mind is like, well, you're creating sort of a market by by limiting by limiting supply, which which makes sense. And to your like the idea that this can be sort of faked and whatnot, the same argument can be made for a regular baseball card. Like our graphic designer can make a super rare card, and we can pretend it's the card that we bought, right? Like let's fucking do it. Let's do I mean, it. Yeah, no problem. I, I just love acknowledging <laughs> the conversation, so let's get that done, um, Jenny. What do you think is going to be um, the biggest boom for um, for Top Shots? Is it going to be really opening the archive? Because I know this has started to happen with with some ex players, but like uh, I saw, I think it was Adrian Wojnarowski tweeted that they haven't really explored the the vast archive of NBA footage. Or do you think it's opening up uh, to China? Yeah, I, they've already kind of started doing. I think some inroads towards the China. Like I don't know if the platform is live in China, but I know they had a Chinese oh, New Year. It's not? Yeah. Okay. So they, had, like, a they did this afternoon. It's not. They had a Chinese New Year pack called like the gift and the cards were one of 888, like 888, which is a lucky number in Chinese. And the card, the trim was like this, you know, kind of Chinese New Year theme. So they're already, I guess, trying to appeal to that demographic, I guess, given the size of the Chinese market, given uh, China's passion for basketball and also like in, in crypto in general, like the Chinese crypto exchanges have some of the biggest volume because I think gambling is a bit more in the culture. Like people just want to speculate on stuff. So it, it seems like a perfect fit given like they love basketball, they love uh, speculating, gambling, and it's kind of all the things that Top Shot uh, embodies and encompasses. But uh, I think that's going to be a big boom. Going into the archive, yeah. Like I think the big one is MJ, but that's going to be the trickiest rights to get because he's like independent of the NBPA. They'd have to go secure MJ's rights uh, independently, which is like pretty tough. Like NBA 2K, all the video games never had Michael Jordan up until recently because like he's notorious for his like uh, he's really closely guarding his his brand, you know. So of course, there's even well, some let's, let's even, even some hat meeting, companies. We'll go me and you. We'll go play at his golf course. Uh, you know, we'll uh, we'll uh, just take a trip down to Florida. Um, no, in, in all seriousness, I don't think Michael Jordan's that good at golf. Actually, I think I, I think I could beat him. Maybe, but I we got to let him win so that we can help negotiate rights for Top Shot. Well, or I was going to say play, you can hustle him. Well, he doesn't play unless it's for money, and we got to make some money on Top Shots to be able to pay the gambling debts. That's also a good point. That's also a good point. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Jenny, this is where Jenny's going to help us. Uh, you are mentioning NFTs before. Are there, because you're kind of involved in the scene, are there any use cases that people have pitched to you that you just straight up said this isn't going to work or like ridiculous ideas? Or do you kind of think anything can become a digital good? Um, it's a good question. I think I've heard a lot of people pitch like tokenizing real world art and like, you know, okay, I have this painting in my house and I sell tokens of it on the blockchain. And then like people like, you know, when I sell the painting, then they have shares of it and they get like, you know, 33% of whatever. Like, I think that stuff is dumb. I think I'm much more bullish on the, the stuff that's fully digitally native, like a top shot card or moment only exists in the blockchain. Uh, I don't like this idea of like having a token representing a real world good. I find all those stupid and you end up in, you know, all right, say I want to sell this painting and I have like six different people who own shares of it. Now I got to like run after them. And there's like a vote of whether we sell it. Just, it seems like a mess. I'd, I'm much more bullish on fully digital things that exist only in a digital space. But I've seen cool stuff like, okay, you know, there's these 3D worlds being built 
what if you're able to like display your top shots in this like 3D museum and like get a cut of the admissions people pay to go enter this museum and like look at this rare LeBron James card you have. I actually think that stuff's like kind of crazy, but it's like probably not unrealistic on like a two to five year time horizon. I, so let's do I, it. Let's, let's do Let's start selling digital real estate. I think like we got to yeah. take the next step. Terry, we can't be behind again. This is the way we get ahead of the game. Well, just go take a picture of like a house in Westmount. Just take a picture <laughs> of it and then we'll put it, we'll create a blockchain. And then yeah. that's just, then people owe us money for just taking it. I think that's how it works. Yeah, that's, we figured it out, Johnny. We really appreciate you coming on. <laughs> no, but the NFL is in on this too now, right? The NFL, the NHL, I think they're all getting in on it. Well, I think they've seen the success. Now, obviously, like Dapper, which is the company behind NBA Top Shot, can go to all these leagues and be like, look at what we did for the NBA. Like, this is all anyone's talking about. It's on fucking ESPN. Can I swear on this podcast? Or? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I swore like eight times already. Eight times. All right. I wasn't sure if this was like the, the Flag Plus podcast or a separate thing. It's like your own. It's your a own separate thing. Yeah. Been two years. Rob Thanks for the support. Appreciate it. Rob calling me up and texting me saying, hey, this is a kid-friendly podcast. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I think now the leagues are seeing the success of it. Like, I don't know if you guys saw today, the NBA announced their rising stars for the All-Star game on Top Shot. So it's like, oh, okay. yeah, this is like here to stay. Uh, and, you know, the NFL, NBA, MLB would be stupid not to like follow suit. So, Two questions. One, do players get cuts from any sale? No, but I've seen, play- like, I've seen players like hustle. I don't know if you saw, um, I think Josh Hart from the Lakers. He basically like started tweeting like, "Yo, what's this NBA Top Shot thing everyone's talking about?" Uh, and like it. a fan replied right away and like, "Hey, I'll, I'll gift you a moment. What's your username?" And they sent him like a Josh Hart moment to get him started, get his collection started. And the guy who makes nine million dollars a year turned around and sold the moment on the marketplace right away. So Amazing. A free card. He just flipped it for like twenty bucks in the market. I um, love it. And I've seen who uh, Terry Rozier on, on the Charlotte Hornets saying, okay, I have these 12 cards of mine in my account. Whoever buys them, I'll give them a signed, a signed jersey or signed basketball. Or like, you know, the next time we're allowed to have fans at our game, if you buy this $1,000 card off me, you can sit courtside and we'll hang out after the game. It's like they've, there's oh, been okay. that kind of stuff. Yeah. But Which actually, Jen, these, we, are, these are, I imagine, licensed through the NBA. So players yeah. would make their cut that way. And that the NBA shares a licensing agreement with the, the Players Association. Yeah, unless, they have this, two unless because this is new, it doesn't fall under those terms, but I, I don't see how that would be. Yeah, I don't think they would let that pass. Yeah, they have both the NBA and the NBPA license. So I think, yeah, the players must get some rev share, but not like, oh, LeBron's cards. I don't, I don't think it's prorated based no, on whose no, card. No, it would be shared amongst its, its membership, I, I imagine. Terry, what was the second part of your question? Well, the second one was, can players, are players allowed buying? And you answered it. So you are allowed buying and then making deals to sell it. So at least the players have some sort of control over what's going on like they don't get nothing out of this like if like we'll use the Anthony Edwards clip if he wants to buy that clip he can buy it no matter how many times it's how many how many tokens it has per video but he can buy it and then flip it to whatever and that's his money right so and he can yeah. sell it for courtside seats like you said so that's cool I like that I, I like that the players at least they have a say in it I mean that's my my first thing I'm like did the NBA just make all this money off of the players' backs and the players not getting anything that was my that was the first thing I thought and the second thing I thought was this is another thing I have to have anxiety about <laughs> There's another thing to argue with peas about. Yeah. Um, no, the, the thing, uh, Johnny. The thing I, I want to mention was uh, so one of the one of the concerns 
or not even a concern, but one of the issues that it seems to be bothering people is uh, the, the the payouts that uh, you need to get verified, which can take up to six to eight weeks. I'm sure it rarely takes that long. And then um, there's a limit to, I believe, $1,000 a month that you can withdraw, but it's a peer-to-peer -peer marketplace. So the, the comparisons um, where that it's being drawn to are not reflective of the type of marketplace it exists in. So why is it uh, is it just a cash flow issue because it's still in its beta testing phase or is this here to stay? Yeah, so no one actually knows why it's happening. Like I think the payment company uh, that actually processes their payments came out and said, hey, it's not on our end. This is like a bottleneck on the top shot end of things. My assumption is that they're making sure there's no uh, like wash trading or money laundering happen between accounts because this okay. happens a lot in traditional art world. Like, hey, I just, you know, I made a million dollars selling drugs last year, but now I just magically sold this painting for a million dollars that like, you know, a, a five-year-old drew and hey, now the money's clean. So basically they're, they're making sure no funny business is happening with people wash trading between themselves. Um, and I think they just, you know, the, the, their growth kind of caught them like understaffed. There's probably like one guy somewhere in Vancouver like manually approving people. I'm sure they're scaling the team and it's going to get fixed eventually, but it's definitely an issue right now where like I know people who have like $2 million top shot collections. And if you can only withdraw $1,000 at a time, that's going to take you pretty fucking long to get your money out, right? Absolutely. Um, yeah. Uh, so Jenny, I, thank you. Wait, wait, oh, wait, you one, last question, one last question. Yeah, as, smart per, question. as per rule 34 of the internet, how long until VFTs and blockchain is used for porn? Man, I bought these. Uh, do you guys know what waifus are? W a f u. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like anime, like anime girls, basically. There's a project that's spun up that's like these like non fungible tokens of waifus, and I bought a couple just in case the project blew up. I kind of like just throwing random shots at, at, on goal and see if these projects take off. So I have these two virtual girl girlfriends sitting in my digital wallet right now. These digital waifus. Um, How much did you pay if you don't mind us asking? They were like half an ether each, so basically, you know, seven hundred fifty bucks each. Oh, not bad. Yeah. Worst so, case. So then, you know. Terry and I, who uh, Terry and I talked about the idea of launching our own platform, Top Porn. Yeah. Um, so you're saying that would be a great idea. Mm -hmm. I think it's trending in that direction, and you guys like that still hasn't been tackled, so you guys can be ahead of the curve on, on that one. Okay, so there what's the go, first Terry. step we need? Who do we need to call for this? Do we call you? Chinese you Satino. Is it porn of you guys, or is it like that? That would not. That wouldn't fly. Where well, would what you are you guys... trying to say? What are you trying to say, G? What are you, what are no, you trying I, to say, I, fi man? I figure like you get like that to like a Brazzers or something, and you get like a collection nope. of all the women with you know facials or DP or another stuff, right? And I can't you speak because I, I work for that company, so I can't speak. Uh... Is there like a porn a porn star a players union? You can just sign the rights to all of them at once, or do you have to independently sign talent? Oh, I think it's independently. I don't think there's any sort of union when it comes to that. I, I'm not sure about that, actually. I mean, they have a whole... Yeah, like, Eagle, fine. What do you mean you're not sure? It's your job to be sure. Look it up. I'm doing it right now. <laughs> well, I work I work in for that company. Yeah, so also, I'll find you should out. also know. Everyone except me should know this. So you guys do the work. I'll the International benefits. Entertainment Adult Union is a federally recognized labor union representing those in the adult entertainment industry. So, yes. <laughs> okay, so but if Abella Danger's not on, then it's not it's not everybody that's covered. Go to Google there's... members now too. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta sign those guys first. Source, you know, source the content, and then I'll I'll help on the engineering side of things for you guys. 
Awesome. Right, let's do it. Awesome. Let's well, so we are brand new venture because we're not busy enough, Terry. Um, <laughs> thank you, Jenny, for joining us. Um, honestly, it, it's been a blast because this is something that's, it's it's trending. Obviously, and uh, it's our market is of course sports fans. So uh, it's something that's very very popular in those circles. So thank you very much for taking the time to explain something that Terry and I are too dumb to get. Awesome. Thanks, guys. And we're back, and you still know nothing about cryptocurrency. That's okay. Cryptocurrency, yeah. absolutely nothing. But Top Shots, I'm a fucking master. Like, I'll explain it to the next guy, like, really well. I'm going to be like, you know what, blockchains? You ever heard of blockchains? And we'll be like, blockchain amino acid. Kind of the same thing, just not. And then I'll explain what Gianni said. Top Shots got a fuck ton of blockchain. It's got the most chains yeah. in the block. Everyone knows. Dude you, don't, dude, you don't know what blockchains are? What about, <laughs> no, an, an, what about <laughs> NFT? A non-fungible token. Token. What about those? You don't know. I can't believe you don't know what that is. Like it's been you know three minutes. Least... You already forgot what an NFT is. Jesus. <laughs> you know who's got the least fungible tokens, Terry? Who? Top porn. Top porn's got Top the least, fungible, the least tokens. fungible tokens. Come to us, and you'll get funged. Exactly. All right, guys. All I'm, I'm fed up with you guys insulting technology. We're gonna move We're to not. a rapid fire We're topic ourselves. here. I was not knowing, not knowing technology. All right, I got five of them for you today. The first one is Flaming Hot Mess. Uh, the Calgary Flames have not been exactly the best team on the ice this year in the Scotiabank division. Um, so they took the ice for their pregame skate against the um, Ottawa Senators, and it was a little bit dicey, let's say. Saturday, the Calgary Flames, we don't try to judge much what's going to happen <laughs> from a game from a warm-up, but as far as warm-ups go, okay. this was disastrous. Cue the clown music, because this was something. First, you got the Malamaki bumping and the goalie got... Hold on, Lucci's hanging in the corner. He's not feeling very good. You got Anderson and Nestroff. They're crashing into each other. And the worst of them all is this backhand from Johnny Gaudreau into the side of the face of the helmetless Sean Monaghan. And he left the ice. I tell you what, I, never, I used to not like it when my team felt sloppy like this. Like, that was a precursor to a bad game. Right. So we'll see how this one plays out. And wear a helmet and warm up. It is the most dangerous time for a player to be on the ice. But you got that. When the hair is flowing. Now you got MJ. some more scars to go with it, too. <laughs> Good Good point point you. They um, lost that game 5-1. So, so the, yeah. you don't want to know the reason why? <laughs> you want to know the reason, the reason why? why? The reason why is because they had their rookie party the night before. Oh, that'll do it. They were, all, they were all hammered. The entire team was destroyed. Because what can you do in a, in a bubble? You have your rookie party. All you do is just get annihilated. And you see, you can see Lucic. He's like, he's like feeling, you know, the hangover is like, your body's like heating up and then you get yeah. on and now he's on the ice so he's cooling down but like he's moving and it's just not looking good i bet that if you look at the bench during the game they were as white as the sweater right here guaranteed terry you you've, you've played sports in your hungover you, you have that moment where you start running or you start skating and then like yeah. i'll be good i'll be good no 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 i gotta breathe uh yeah. uh i saw that i saw that and the first thing i thought of of course was uh, who has sean monahan on their fantasy team this guy um and and then I saw that and I was like, this this feels like the beginning of the first Mighty Ducks film, like before they're good. That's that's what I saw in Calgary Flames. Um, been a long season. Been a long few seasons for them. But five. hopefully they'll be a D two soon. When they were District Five. Yeah, it's true. All right, next. Uh, cinnamon Spice and Nothing Nice. Uh, after his fight this weekend, Canelo Alvarez um, had Real little fight. time for those that he felt didn't belong in the ring. Here's the clip. Strong. It wasn't I feel a fight. strong, I feel fast, I feel comfortable. It's something, I think it's one of my best moments in my, in my life. It's one of my best moments. Do you feel Canelo strong? I, feel I, love, the, I, feel fast, I love the fuker part. I feel comfortable. Part. It's something, I think it's one of my best moments in my, in my life. It's one of my best moments. 
Do you feel Canelo? So good. So uh, breath, uh, you, hear, you hear Canelo Alvarez telling uh, fans to fuck off, get out of the ring. Uh, he's basically deciding who should and shouldn't be in the ring. I'll tell you who should have been in the ring, Terry. It should have been uh, Avini Yildrim. Should not have been in the ring that night because, you know, you like, know why? to your point, that was not a fight. It was it was awful. Do you know why they kicked him out of the ring? Why? Because they were wearing Jake Paul and Ben Askren t-shirts. Like, those guys had no no business being in the ring. They were just like guys trying to sell T-shirts or selling the fight, whatever it is. And yeah, so Yildirim had no business in that ring. And you can tell his his coach was like, after the third round, he's like, listen, I'm going to end this fight right now. Just give me a sign. And he's just not giving him anything. That's the thing about boxing is like, it's just it's just a joke. I forgot the fight was on. I went on Twitter. I saw Adam Kaplan tweeted something. I was like, okay, I'm going to get in there. I'm going to watch it. It's I actually I paused it. the same reason I started watching it. I saw, I saw Adam's tweet and I was like, yeah, okay, I'll turn it on. <laughs> So I finished watching the UFC, which was a boring fight, but I finished that. I finished that live, and then I watched the Canelo fight on um, the zone. On, on delay, on the zone, on delay. Yeah. And not knowing the result, knowing the result. You know what I mean? And well, we boxing. knew the result before the fight, to be honest. Like, yeah, like, exactly. Canelo Alvarez is very, very, very skilled fighter. Avni uh, uh, Yildrim's not. It, it looked bad. It was. Man, it's a good thing the zones. Uh, the zone is not a pay-per-view uh, model because I think they would have got hammered for this yeah. fight. Um, it didn't look great, but this didn't stop Jake Paul from calling him out later, and that would be actually a worse fight. I, I think. I don't think he would send a chance against Canelo Alvarez. I don't think. It, I, I think Canelo lets it go six rounds, and I think as soon as he says, "Okay, I'm done. I'm finishing this guy. It's completely over." I don't want to talk about Jake Paul fighting actual boxers anymore, unless it's like a two and zero guy. I don't want to talk about it. Like, I think we should cut it out. It doesn't exist. It should not exist in the media. Jake Paul should not be fighting anybody except for bad striking MMA fighters and 2-0 boxers or really amateur boxers. That's it. Yeah. Next. Uh, shut up. You're dribbling. Uh, soccer star Zlatan Ibrahimovic, currently playing for AC Milan, I think, beforehand was playing for the Los Angeles Galaxy. Uh, he said that he thought basketball star player LeBron James should stick to basketball and avoid talking politics because it's, quote, not a good look. Uh, LeBron kind of put him in his place here. Today, um, you know, I would never uh, shut up about things that's, um, that's wrong. Um, I, I preach about my people and I preach about, uh, you know, equality. Um, social injustice, racism, um, you know, sy systematic uh, uh, voting, uh, voter suppression, um, things that go on in our community, um, because I was a part of my community at one point and seeing the things that was going on. And I know that, you know, what's going on still because I have a, a group of uh, 300 plus kids at my school that's going through the same thing and they need a, a voice. Um, um, and I'm their voice. I'm their voice. And I use my platform to continue to shed light on everything that may be going on, not only in my community, but around the, uh, you know, this country and around the world. So, um, you know, if, if, if there's no reason, uh, well, no, I won't say no reason, but there's no way uh, I will ever just stick to sports because I understand how, um, you know, how this platform and how powerful my voice is. Um, and he can just ask uh, Renee uh, Montgomery, uh, you know, if I would have shut up and just dribbled. Um, seeing that beautiful black woman today, um, you know, be a part of a, a group um, where she's part of an ownership group now with the Atlanta Dream down in Atlanta. And uh, it's funny he say that because I believe in like 2018, he was the same guy who said uh, when he was back in Sweden, talking about the same things um, because his last name wasn't a certain last name that uh, he felt like it was some racism going on when he was out on the pitch. Um, right? He did say that, right? 
Yeah. I thought he was, I thought he said that. So, um, I speak from a very educated I mind. I don't remember um, that. Part. So, um, I'm kind of the wrong guy to actually go at because I do my homework. So this is the thing about LeBron James, and it's like I I agree with LeBron James in this. I'm on his side when it comes to this. I also, uh, on the other hand, think that Zlatan can say whatever the fuck he wants, and he's what he's saying is that leave, leave the people that talk about politics to police kind of thing to talk about politics. But when it comes to what LeBron James is preaching all the time, it's it's a lot bigger than just talking about politics it's not it's a lot bigger than talking about oh i'm voting for trump or biden because of this it's a lot bigger than that he's not talking necessarily about politics he's talking about he's talking about racial like he said human uh human interaction he's talking about how we should be treating people in general he's talking about so, uh, social issues not not political issues that's the problem I, and I, I, uh, likes to talk i'm happy you said that terry because the, the thing i keep thinking of is when did race become politics? When did gender become politics? Like, um, it's politicians who have dragged that into the fold, just like they've dragged sports into the fold, because nobody ever tells politicians, stay out of sports, stick to politics. But politicians often feel that they can tell athletes to stick to, stick to sports. Look, I get it. Zlatan can say what he wants. And for me, this is my two, two of my favorite athletes going at each other, so it's kind of a strange situation for me. But I will say, in, 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 you know, when you hear something like that, um, it's just weird to use your platform to tell other people to keep quiet. And then we defend it by saying that Zlatan can say whatever he wants, but then also LeBron can say what he wants. Which Anybody can say whatever they want. Yeah. Anybody can say whatever they want. Absolutely. And that's it's a reality. If there's a consequence to that, there's a consequence. But anybody well, but can say whatever the fuck they want. Especially that neither one is saying anything that hurts another person. Who yeah, cares? yeah, that's all that matters. <laughs> if the person isn't hurt, in danger, or whatever the case may be, then it's fine. Yeah. At the end of the day, LeBron James stands for a lot of good. I think he's cheesy as fuck. I find him extremely annoying. But I also do think that he has his foot, his head's in the right space. And he does a lot of good. And yeah. as as as... As me, me, me that he is, always talking about me, 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 he also does a lot for other people. I, I saw that clip and I was like, we're going to use it on a show. And man, obviously he's going to be shirtless and Terry's going to talk about how he's all about himself. Um, but the thing is, the thing is. He is all about himself. It's 100% um, he's all about himself. Look, he, he does help a lot of people. I will say uh, the one thing he doesn't often get pressed on uh, is the China arrangement that the NBA has. But look, the problem with the China situation is. We're recording this this show on devices that were all made in China. Uh, we all have uh, telephones made in China, and we have no problem buying those. Uh, we will at some point talk to Carlin Gay uh, on this issue specifically. We didn't get a chance last time we interviewed him, but I, and I do want to get his take uh, because the, the work that LeBron James has done for his community, that can't be denied. But, you know, how does that... How do you feel, let's say, if it comes at the expense of the, you know, other poor communities, right? Uh, yeah. So that's something that, uh, that of course, it's, it's not, it's very difficult to handle. There's no right answer. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely interested in having that conversation. We will have that on this show at some point. Next, uh, speaking of uh, saying whatever the fuck you want, Family Matters. Uh, Nick Francona, son of uh, Cleveland Indians manager and two-time world champion of manager of the Boston Red Sox, Terry Francona, uh, accused his father of mishandling Mike Calloway's uh, sexual misconduct toward at least five female media members and even went so far as blaming MLB executives to be involved in kind of the cover-up and not taking this seriously. 
So wait, let me understand this. So Nick Francona, son of Terry Francona, legend, um, is criticizing his father for mishandling the Mickey Calloway sexual misconduct thing. That's what it yes. is. So I don't know the story about Mickey Calloway. So Mickey Calloway um, has had at least five situations of um, sexual harassment towards uh, towards female media members. Uh, the me- the media members complained to the team, complained to the MLB. Uh, husbands of these women complained about him sp- sending pornographic, unrequited uh, pornographic images to uh, to their wives. Um, Mickey Calloway seems like kind of a meathead. Um, it, the weird thing I've never understood with these situations, Terry, is um, if you have an underling, let, let's say, for example, I'm not saying he would, but let's say Alex the intern did something really stupid. We would throw him under the bus, right? Because it saves us. That's why you have, that's why you have, you know, interns and so on. I never understood why it is that these, these heads of organizations cover up for people below them because all it does is expose you to risk that you didn't have to in the first place. Yeah. I mean, especially for something that's fundamentally wrong like this. is. And uh, how many unsolicited pictures have you received? In your lifetime. Have I received? Yeah. Zero. They're always solicited. <laughs> so when I text you late at night, Terry, saying, hey, you up? It's That's me soliciting. soliciting. You're soliciting pictures that you might send that I'll send to you. Exactly. Exactly. I have I have a friend that I well, a friend, a former colleague, I told him any as soon as he messages me at midnight, anything, it could be anything, hey, how are you? A random thing. He's being responded. Anything after midnight. He's being responded with a dick pic. But then, but because you've built this arrangement, it's not solicited. He knows going in. That it's this, solicited. This is, you know, he consented to it, right? So that's that's a different situation. It's solicited, absolutely. Yeah, he's consenting. He knows the repercussions if he ever texts me after midnight. Which is how All I right. found out as well. Next topic, <laughs> and the last one for today. Uh, bestest buddy. Hasbro have changed their minds on the root of the tuber's gender. Um, the iconic toy uh, was supposed to go from Mr. Potato Head to just Potato Head. He has regained his Mr. title and his gender officially after a ton of backlash. So I, I whenever I think of this, I think of how people got mad when, um, when James Bond was going to be played by Idris Elba. And how they're all like, but he's not a black guy. But what? Who? Who is James Bond? Is he a real person? No. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So why can't he be played by a black guy? So that's the thing with Mr. Potato Head. He's a man. He's Mr. Po- there is a Mrs. Potato Head. She exists. Yeah. So well, I've seen her. I, yeah, I've seen her. You I, could I, even I, you could even marry two Mr. Potato Heads if you like. Yeah, I've assembled Mr. and Mrs. Potato Heads. Absolutely. In fact, I would say that they were both neither Mr. or Mrs. to begin with. Because they have no genitals and they're potatoes. They're pot- <laughs> um, so I saw this. I, I saw this twofold. I saw this first of all. First of all, I saw this as um, Hasbro <laughs> making Mr. Potato Head uh, valuable again because it, it got themselves in the news. Because I don't think anyone was talking about this at all. So they actually- created this media shitstorm, and then the the fakest outrage on Twitter is people being upset by whether or not. A toy potato is gendered. I, I couldn't stop laughing anytime I saw someone who seemed legitimately angry about the gender of a toy potato. But what do we do? What are we doing as a society if we're getting mad about a fucking potato? Yeah, it's like a both fucking, sides of this is just stupid, It's, not, it's right? not even a real potato that you can enjoy and bake and cook and fry. It's none of that. It's a well, fucking... I, I, 
fake potato made out of plastic that doesn't mean anything. Why are we I getting mad? I have a mad? Facebook profile picture where I'm wearing a potato coming out of my pants and it looks like a vagina because I want to know how I look with vagina. You can do that. You can see what a missing potato head looks like with, you know, like lady lips or, 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 or the more feminine specific eyes or, you know, make a little skirt for Mr. Potato. You can do that too. I was going to say, I think I think Hasbro has missed out on an opportunity here. Because, you know, you can have the different pieces and put them in a different slot. They should have just printed a dick and a vagina and shipped it with Mr. Potato Head. And they get or to choose like, gender. Or a pair of pants with a bulge and, a, and like, something without a bulge. So you don't really know. Like, a pair of pants with, with or without the bulge. Yeah. No? That's, I think that uh, that should be the name of the show. With or without a bulge. <laughs> good can we, can we call it Mr. Potato Head Sprout? Hey-oh. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Buzzing. That's it. Um, all right. So thank you, Terry, for all the wonderful work you've done today. Johnny Satino was amazing. I want to thank him for his time. He really, really, really wasted his time and his intelligence with us, as do all our guests. Um, so I do want to thank him for coming on. Eagle, thanks for getting all of this up and going. Hopefully we'll all be in the same room together, but it doesn't look like it'll be the case for yet another two weeks. Uh, until then, of course, I'm Pizzo Reese, and thank you all for letting me be myself. You've been listening to Hot Sauce Sports. 